Tonight I will be reading from Psalm chapter 77, verses 1 through 3. I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Good evening and welcome again. We're very grateful for the good number that is present tonight. And we trust that our worship will be profitable to all. We're very grateful for the visitors who are with us tonight. We encourage you to come back at every opportunity that you have. And as we said this morning, if you're looking for a church home, we would love you to consider the work here at Olive Branch. We believe that the church here is moving in a positive direction, and we would love to have you come and join hands with us and help us to expand the borders of the kingdom in this community. And I know that the elders here would be more than happy to talk to you about the many opportunities for service. Tonight we're going to be looking at Psalm 77. We're going to be thinking about the theme, Overwhelmed but not overcome. We live in a world that is replete with problems. Job said in the long ago, Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Life is often beset by trials, tribulations, and troubles. The psalmist here depicts the troubles that he was experiencing, and some would say that this particular psalm was written while God's people were in captivity, that being Babylonian captivity. And if that be the case, one could understand why he penned this particular psalm and the despair that permeates this particular beautiful psalm recorded many, many years ago. As we look at Psalm 77 and as we contemplate the theme, overwhelmed but not overcome, the first thing that I would call your attention to has to do with his trials or his adversities. And make no mistake about it, his trials, his adversities were very real to him. And sometimes it may be difficult for us to understand what others are going through. And maybe we have difficulty empathizing or even sympathizing with the trials and the tribulations that others are facing in life. But the psalmist here, when he writes about the problems that he is experiencing, those trials and those troubles were very real to him. And so in a very profound way, he makes... He makes these points to those who would read this particular psalm. First of all, I call your attention to his sorrows in life. And there are really three things that he sets forth that have to do with his sorrows or help us to gain insight into the depth of the sorrows that he was experiencing. First of all, he points out that he was discomforted. Look at verse 2. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I would imagine that there are times in life when it's difficult because of the depth of the problems that we are experiencing that it's very, it's very difficult to, to find some measure of comfort. Probably one of the best examples that I can think of outside of what the psalmist has penned here, is the life of Job. When you look at his life and you think about him losing ten children, and then not just not only did he lose his children, but the Bible tells us he lost his wealth, 
his own human body was racked by boils. And then his wife encouraged him to curse God and die. It seemed as if life was tumbling in on him. And so in Job chapter 2, we read of his three friends that came to mourn with him and to comfort him. And the Bible tells us that for seven days and seven nights, no one said a word. I would imagine that Job found it difficult in that setting to find a measure of comfort. And so it may be the case that you today are experiencing trials and tribulations and maybe you have felt like Job or maybe you have been in the shoes of the psalmist and thus been discomforted. But then not only was he discomforted, but he was deluged. Drop down and look at verse 3. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Have you ever faced times in life when you had, had the feeling that you were just drowning in a sea of problems or in a sea of troubles? There are people in our world today, there are people in this country who if they were honest about their, their physical state or about their mental state, they would tell you they are drowning in a sea of trouble. And that was, that was really the picture that the psalmist was pinning for his readers many, many centuries ago. He said, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Even though we are the people of God and even though we have the assurances that God is on our side, we understand that problems and trials and tribulations will come our way. And sometimes those trials and tribulations can mount in life and thus leave us with an overwhelmed spirit. But then there is a third thing that he points out. Not only was he discomforted and deluged, but he says he was dumbstruck. And by this, I mean he was speechless. Drop down and look, if you would, at verse 4. He writes, You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. You ever, have you ever been so troubled or faced such a traumatic situation in life that you were literally speechless? Now maybe that's, maybe that's hard for us to, to wrap our minds around. But there are people that have received word from legal authorities or from law enforcement officials that a loved one has been killed on the highway. I remember many years ago I received a call from a lady who was in extreme distress. She had just gotten word that her father had been tragic, tragically killed in an automobile accident. Well, in times like that, we are, we're speechless. What are you going to say? Those who, who are on the, the receiving end of news like that, sometimes it's hard for them to articulate what they think or, or their thoughts. Well, that was, that was the situation that the psalmist was experiencing in his day and time. And so he was discomforted, he was deluged, and he was dumbstruck. Now, he writes of his sorrows in life, but then he also speaks of his supplications to the Lord. And when we talk about his supplications to the Lord, let me just first of all point out his purpose for praying. When you and I face trials and tribulations and difficulties in life, what do we do? To whom do we turn? Where do we go? Well, look at what is said by the psalmist. I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear 
to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. Now, one of the reassuring things that all of us ought to, ought to contemplate from time to time is the privilege and the power of prayer. And when we go to God in prayer, we ought to, there ought to be a purpose for that. When Paul wrote to the saints in Philippi, he said, In nothing be anxious, but in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. All of us have reason, or have multiple reasons, if you please, to pray. But there are times when life seems as if it is tumbling in. And it is in those moments of life that we ought to, we ought to get down on our hands and knees and pray to Almighty God with a purpose. Think about Jesus Christ when He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. The cross was looming before Him. He was about to bear the sins of, of the human family. And so we find Jesus bowing in the presence of God the Father and praying three times, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What was Jesus doing? He was praying to God the Father. Now, if Jesus set that kind of example for us, surely in times of trial, in times of adversity, we would see the need to pray. But then also note, if you would, his persistence in prayer. He said, in the day of my trouble, and this is really why he was praying. Why was he praying? Because of, of trial, because of trouble. And so he said, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. I think about Jesus spending the night as Luke tells us in Luke chapter 6, in prayer to God the Father. In Mark chapter 1, we read about Jesus rising early in the morning and going out into a solitary place and there praying to God the Father. Well, here was a man who was persistent in his prayer to Almighty God. Now, Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint, according to Luke in chapter 18 at verse 1. And so here was a man who was bowing in prayer to God the Father. And there was purpose behind his prayers. But then in the second place, I want to call your attention not to just his trials, but also his trepidation. And this has to do with his anxieties. And sometimes when we face the, the difficulties of life, sometimes when we are put through the mill, so to speak, we are somewhat filled with, or rather we are filled to some extent, with anxieties or a sense of trepidation. And there are two things that come to mind as, as we look at, at verses 5 through 9. First of all, he was contemplative. And not only was he contemplative, but he was concerned. So look, if you would, at verse 5. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within, within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. When we face the trials of life and when our spirit, like the psalmist, is overwhelmed, when we feel like we're just being overrun with trials and, and difficult circumstances in life, sometimes it, it brings about a contemplative spirit. And it helps to, to shape and to bring into, into focus what what's really important in life, and it helps us to weed out those things that are less important. It helps us to, to see what are the mundane things of life as opposed to those things that really take precedence and priority. And so the psalmist here 
is somewhat introspective. But then look, if you would, at verses 7 through 9. We think about his grave concern. Now, if he was in captivity, and I believe that you could make, a, make the case that the psalmist here would, would have been numbered among the exiles in Babylon. And so he asks this question, Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? The psalmist was concerned about his state, and it would only stand to reason. Here, here was a man among many who was in exile, and God's people had been deported into, into Babylon. There were three waves of Babylonian captivity, and they were sent away for some 70 years, and some 70 years later, in about 539, 538 B.C., God allowed his people to return back to their homeland under the edict of Cyrus, the king of Persia. But nonetheless, while these people were in exile, you could imagine the anxieties that, that they were experiencing and the concern that they had. I mean, they had, to, they had to wonder within themselves, has God cast us off forever? Will he no longer be favorable to us? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Well, here's what the psalmist came to, I believe, came to understand and what we need to understand. That God is in absolute control. He was in control when they were sent into Babylonian captivity. And just because he punished them did not mean that he had cast them off forever in the sense that it did not mean that he had forgotten about them. It did not mean that he had forgotten about the promises that he had made to them. It would ultimately be through that remnant, the southern kingdom, that the Messiah would emerge. God needed a remnant to bring the Christ into the world, and thus he accomplished that. Now, Israel had a specific purpose. They were to have been a light to the Gentile people based on what Isaiah said in the long ago. But they were also the nation through whom the Christ would come. And so the Lord would continue to be gracious and kind to them. He would remember His promises to them. But there are times in life when we face difficulties and trials and maybe we question, is God there? Is God concerned about my plight in life does God understand what I'm dealing with? Is God going to be gracious to me? Will God remember me in the midst of the difficulties that I'm facing in life? But again, what we need to remember is God is in control. I've said it before and I believe it to be the case that we may not know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. God is in absolute control. That's why the psalmist, the psalmist could say on two different occasions, the Lord reigneth. And so we think about the fact that the Lord was indeed in control and he is in control today. But then thirdly, note if you would his thoughts. And what the psalmist does is he assesses the situation. And the first thing he does is call, he calls to remembrance the great might of Almighty God. And not just the might of God, but the majesty of God. 
Note, if you would, what is said in verse 10. And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. The psalmist here brings to remembrance the majesty of Almighty God. The fact that He is a great being. If someone were to ask you to, to just jot down the greatness of God, what would, you, what would you write? If someone were to ask you to verbalize the greatness and the majesty of God, how would you explain that? Well, the psalmist here talks about the greatness of Almighty God, but as he remembers God, here's what, here's what he brings to the fore. And that is the redemption provided by God. And here, here really we see the might of Almighty God. Look at verse 14. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters. And your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. I believe what the psalmist is recalling here is God's redemptive powers at work when Israel came forth out of the land of Egypt. When you go back and read the book of Exodus, you'll, you'll see that God's people had been in Egyptian bondage and they were serving Pharaoh. And Pharaoh had made their bondage one of great rigor. And God said in the long ago, I've seen your tears, I've heard your cries or your, your prayers to me. And thus God called on, on a man by the name of Moses and Aaron called on these two men to be instruments to lead his people out of Egyptian bondage. Now, did God accomplished, accomplish that task? Absolutely. You go over in the book of Exodus and you'll see that God with an outstretched arm brought them forth out of Egyptian bondage. And Moses would write in Exodus chapter 19 how God had borne them on eagle's wings and brought them unto himself and thus entered into a covenant relationship with these people. God blessed the nation of Israel. But when the psalmist reflected upon what God had done in the past, surely that gave him hope that the same God that had the power to redeem his people in days gone by could redeem them what we need to take from this is that God is still at work. The same God who demonstrated His power in Egypt, who demonstrated His power when His people were sent forth into Babylonian captivity and thus released, is still at work today. And God can help us when we feel, as the psalmist did, that we are literally overrun and overwhelmed by the anxieties and trials and tribulations of this life. 
We may not necessarily understand everything that's going on in our lives. We may not be able to articulate to some degree exactly how we feel and what we are experiencing. But what we need to take from this is that God is in control. And God is standing there at our side. And that the promises of God have not failed. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What shall man do unto me? And then I think about the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5. When he said, casting all your care on him for he cares for you. There is not another person on this earth that will care for you like Almighty God. There's not another person on earth that has your best interest at heart like Almighty God. Now, I think about the parent-child relationship and how we want, we want what is best for our children. We look, we look out for them and we look out for their welfare, their well-being. We want the very best for them. Well, we are the people of God. God is our Heavenly Father. And as our Heavenly Father, He wants what is absolutely best for us in this life. God's not going to leave us stranded. He's not going to walk away and just leave us to fend for ourselves. Now, it may be the case that we choose to walk away from Him, but He'll never leave us. And so, we ought to take great comfort. We ought to be encouraged to know that God will stand with us when difficulties arise. And so the psalmist said, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. God is accessible. You know, the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 4, Let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God wants us to turn to him in times of difficulties. It may be the case that we are overwhelmed in life it may be the case that there, there will be many occasions in life when we have that sinking feeling that something is amiss, that, that we're overwhelmed with the troubles and trials of life. We may be overwhelmed, but we need not be overcome. Why? Because God will stand with us. I like the words of the psalmist in Psalm 56 in the long ago. He said, this I know, God is for me. God is on our side and God is for us and he'll stand with us come what may in closing let me just ask this question what is your life like tonight are you besieged by the trials and the tribulations and the troubles of life if your answer is yes then let me ask another question do you have God on your side? Do you have the one who created the world in your corner? Do you have the privilege, the right, to turn to Him in prayer with the assurance that He will hear your prayers and answer accordingly? Prayer is a wonderful thing. The Bible speaks of those who turn to God in prayer like the psalmist of old. It may be the case that that you're not a Christian. And since you're not a Christian, you do not enjoy all the blessings that Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. One of those spiritual blessings is prayer. Well, the good news is that Christ died for your sins and He wants you to become a member of His family. 
What would you need to do to become a child of God? Well, the Bible says that we have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That we have to put our faith and trust in Him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then we are called upon to repent, to turn from a life of sin, as Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. The Bible then says that we are to confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, that Jesus is the Son of God, just like the eunuch did, recorded by Luke in Acts 8, verse 37. The Bible then says we are to be immersed in water. That is, we are to be, we are to be baptized into Christ so that our sins might be washed away. Acts 22, verse 16. Maybe you've done that, but for whatever reason, you've gone back into the world. Maybe you've allowed the problems and the troubles of life to cause you to lose your faith. There are people in our world today, at one time, faithful members of the body of Christ, but because of some tragedy, because of some illness, disease, some loss, they turned their back on God. Maybe you're among that number. What would you need to do? Well, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. John said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So tonight we encourage you, come home. Come back to a loving God who will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.